chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 13, but we will take it um, from the end of chapter 12. Verse 23 of chapter 12 says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in season to pray for me. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. And consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Verse chapter 13. Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines, that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. The people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Bethaven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of God and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. 
but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be command over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him about 600 men. Okay, we stop there. Those are the fundamental lessons that we learn about working with God. You know, everybody has to be careful to ensure that they worked according to the rules, okay? There, there's a, a, there are lots of people Sorry, I'm coming. There are lots of um, uh, people, you know, who don't understand that we must run according to the rules. And that's really where the challenge is, as much as we are able. But here we have a situation where Samuel wondered, if you don't obey the Lord, the fact that you've got in a king now doesn't mean anything. God is going to throw you and your king out. So now we have this situation. The problem was the Philistines. And um, there have been, of course, a nuisance because they're, they're, they're surrounding the nation. So the war with the Philistines was a war of attrition. And, and this time around, this time around, Sorry. Sorry, well, I mean, I mean, I'm preaching, sorry. Now the Philistines, the Philistines were always there. They were always there. And so Saul decided to provoke them. You know, Jonathan attacked the garrison in Michmash and then the Philistines were like, wow, okay, because you got a king now. Now, I want you to, 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 to see the type of army they put together so quickly. <laughs> but the whole army that Saul put together was just 3,000 people. And he sent the rest away for obvious reasons. There are no taxes to, to pay the salaries of all these people. So if you're going to keep a standing army, I told you that when Israel was a theocracy, they did not have a standing army, okay? So you, if there was war, they would do a general mobilization under whatever leader emerges. But now that they've gotten a king, so Saul decided to set up an army and um, 3,000 troops, 2,000 with him, 1,000 with Jonathan, that's all. And then Jonathan attacked the garrison, okay? And then Saul blew the trumpet. It's like a, pro a provocation, you know. Saul, Saul blew the trumpet and the Philistines, wow. Hmm. 
they gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000. <laughs> you know, if their chariots come out here, they will cover the whole area. You know, 30,000 chariots. The, 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 the Hebrews had no chariots, you know? And then 6,000 horsemen mounted, maybe with spear and sword, you know, 6,000. And then the foot soldiers, they said uncountable, like the sand of the sea. <laughs> and against this, just 3,000 soldiers. Now, if you read the histories of um, all the wars these Israelis have fought, it's still something like this. It was during the Six-Day War when the whole Arabs joined together and during the Yom Kippur War, it was the same thing. Just a handful of soldiers and the multitudes and multitudes. In fact, NASA had 200 and something planes waiting to go up in the air and pound every inch of Israel. And uh, the Israelis preempted him and destroyed all the planes on the ground. So, so the, the, it hasn't really changed to show that God was always defending the people, you know. But, you know, Saul and Samuel had an agreement. Okay, Saul and Samuel had an agreement that Samuel will come in seven days to, to, to Saul so that they can offer sacrifice before the battle is joined. 3,000 people against 30,000 chariots, motorized and on horseback. And these are all the only foot soldiers. Now, after seven days, Saul's, according to his own part of the story, he was worried that Samuel is not, didn't come at the appointed time. So according to him, he forced himself Okay, he said, I compelled myself to, to, to make the sacrifice. Compelled myself. You know, that's what he said. Yes, here, verse 12. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a bunch of food. Now, why didn't Samuel come at the appointed time? That's the question that you and I know the answer. Because when you are a prophet, you only speak after you have been spoken to. You know, you don't preempt God. It's not possible. You have to wait. So you see, Saul being so naive, he thinks that a prophet can say, I will come in seven days. And then he must come as if he's a, a, an office worker. Say, so no, a prophet cannot come until he gets his marching orders. Even Balaam, as uh, derelict as he was, he knew that there was no way he could go anywhere un unless he got a, a signal from God. No matter how you persuade him. But then he so much wanted to go that God said, okay, if you want to go, you can go. But not a prophet like Samuel. No, he will not, he will not move one inch unless God authorized it. But if Saul were spiritual, he would know that. He would know that. That prophets are not 
uh, people who did their own mind, that they did the mind of God. You know, it's like uh, um, the story in John chapter 11. You know, they came and told Jesus that um, Lazarus is sick. And then he stayed two more days. You know, he stayed two more days before he went to him. Because, because he, he's telling us that he doesn't control the program. You know, he does not control the program. So he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after he said, okay, now let us go. Lazarus is sleeping. It's okay if he sleeps, he does well. So, okay, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, it was good I wasn't there. So that you may believe. Okay, so uh, um, he had to do it God's way, you know, to create a faith in his disciples, to grow faith in their hearts. So Samuel, you know, and, and some, somebody will, will say, but why did he wait until he offered the sacrifice before he came? Well, like I told you, he cannot come before he gets his marching orders. And he arrived, and, and, and Saul had offered the sacrifice by himself. Now, that teaches you and I that don't let anybody stampede you or, 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 or rush you into doing something when you are waiting for God to arise on a matter. Mm. You know, let, let whatever may be come to pass. Mm. There is a God in heaven who sees the future now so that you and I cannot be stampeded into taking precipitous actions, you know, mm. because we're under pressure or we're anxious or we're worried. You know, Saul's point was that, I mean, I just have 600 men here. The Philistines are thousands. And even the, the 600 men are, are still running away. And quite a few have run away already. But the point that Samuel will make to him is that it's not, it's not, it's not a matter of numbers. As we will see, even in this, what destroyed the uh, 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 Philistine army was earthquake beneath them. <laughs> so it wasn't about numbers, you know, it's about holding on to God. But I find this story um, um, really, really uh, painful because of what Samuel said to Saul. Mm. You know, and Samuel said in verse 13, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Now, what is the meaning of that statement? God, um, through Samuel, was saying, there will be no Saul's dynasty. No. It's just you. So your kingdom cannot continue. In other words, there will be no succession from your family because you have done foolishly. Now, this is where you realize that, you know, in making these choices, God has the advantage of foreknowledge. Now, somebody may ask, did God know that Saul would fail? Of course he knew. Did God uh, uh, still allow him to be king? Of course. 
Of course, he knew all of that. But was it God that made him to fail? Of course not. <laughs> we fail by the choices we make. That's right. But, but God knew the choices he would make. And that's why, because he knew David was coming also, he, he, he only allowed a man that will, will go and fail. Not because God wanted him to fail, but because of his spiritual naivety. You are not a priest. You are not a, of the tribe of Levi. You are not, why should you offer sacrifice when you know the law? And that the law says only the, 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 the descendants of Aaron will be priests. And only the descendants of Levi will minister at the, at the tabernacle. How could you offer a priest? You are from Benjamin. <laughs> They are not qualified at all. And they say, he, he should have read the story that when Nadab and Abihu <laughs> offered strength fire, they died on the spot. You know, all these are in the history, you know, that um, Israel carried from the wilderness. So how could the king now, and Moses had said that when you make king, you should get him a copy of this law to get him a copy so that he will be reading it so he won't get against it. But David said after he became king that for 40 years that Saul was king, the ark of the Lord was still in the house of Obedidom in Kirijadjerim. Saul did not bother with the ark. Those are all the indictments that showed that Saul may have been head and shoulders structurally above every Israeli or Hebrew, and he became king by way of stature. But spiritually, he was very naive. Because anybody who understands God must know that the only way to please God is to obey him. You know, that's the only way. He doesn't need anything. That's what David said. If you need a sacrifice, of course, I'll offer it. It's not about sacrifice, it's about obedience. So Saul was more interested in uh, the ceremony. You know, it is necessary to offer sacrifice before a battle. And if the priest is not here to offer it, let's offer it ourselves. Ah. <laughs> and that's why you see it does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. And Samuel said, the Lord would have established the kingdom in your hand. But because you have shown such spiritual naivety, okay, your kingdom cannot continue. Okay, your kingdom cannot continue. And now we see, you know, and this is still further down the road anyway. But when Saul went to consult the witch of Ender, first of all, it was the one who banished all the wishes. But now when he was in trouble, he went to consult. You see, when, you, when people show that type of character, you know that something is fundamentally wrong. So who do you really worship? Or is it just solution you're looking for? And, and this same thing happens today. You know, a man has a challenge, but it's all about solution. You know, whoever will bring solution, if Babalawa will bring solution, if um, the witch will bring solution, all I need is solution. So spiritual naivety is revealed. People who don't understand God, that it's not, it's not so important to, to make all these religious observances, you know, 
is good to, to do them, but, but when you do them with a heart that is not even loyal to the God you are doing them for, then it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Because that's, that's what all these stories, what, that's what they're designed to teach us. That's why they saved them for us and put them in the Bible. So that you and I will take a hard, long look at ourselves and see whether we are making the same mistakes as these people. And when we see how costly their mistakes were, then we too will learn a lesson. That's the whole idea. You know. And can you imagine that this was so early, so early, just three years, you know, he, he reigned two years then, but he said, yeah, he, he raised the standing army and then dispersed the people. And then this calamity happened. So by the third year, they had, they had judged his kingdom and finished it. But of course, David wasn't even born. So um, um, David, oh, so David was still in the air somewhere. <laughs> that's even true that's yes true. no david wasn't born because yeah. david was a teenager about 17 years yeah. old when yeah. he killed goliath so reigned david for wasn't 40 born. years that's true yeah mm. so reigned 40 years wow so 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 if david was 17 you know you can see that um, Saul must have been on the on the throne mm. uh, and why it obviously wasn't the first battle with the philistines mm. like this is a recurrent battle you know, so the one that David uh, featured in was just one of those battles, ever recurrent, you know. So it was during the reign of David that he put the Philistines permanently yes. to rest. Yes, please. Yes, because God really helped him. So, mm -hmm. so it, it is important to understand from all these that um, nobody should stampede you into doing something that is fundamentally wrong. Nobody should stampede because of one fear or the other. You know, somebody would, have, would ask, but what did you expect this soul to do? You know, a king with an army of deserters hiding in a cave, <laughs> hiding in a... What, what do you expect him to do? I said, but you have read the story of the judges that God said to Gideon, 3,000 people are too many, too many, you know. And then they whittled them down and whittled them down to 300, 10%. And they, they had the victory. Mm -hmm. So all of that was to teach you that this game with God is not about uh, numbers. numbers. No, it's not about numbers. You know, it depends because the reason God gave to uh, Gideon was that if 3,000 of them go and win this battle, they'll say it's because there were mm -hmm. 3,000, they were strong. Yeah. No, reduce them to such a number that they will know that there's no way they could have won this battle if God didn't intervene. So, so you see, when you're coming, they were coming from a theocratic background where every time God arises over a matter, mm -hmm. it was decisive, okay? Mm -hmm. And the victory was assured. But he didn't see that. And the same thing is happening today. A lot of people have this commercial mentality. They have this um, 
uh, mentality of um, result, result, result. So it's not about just, it's not just about results, it's about how did you get it? Mm. You know, how did you get that result? Get it the right way so that God will be honored and pleased to continue to, to, to do wonders in your life and in my life. You know, God is a God of wonders. Mm. You know, you cannot judge a matter. When God is involved, you cannot judge a matter by one plus one equal two. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, because as we will see, this particular battle, you know, <laughs> God did wonders. You know, God did wonders. And Saul almost ruined the battle. You know, when he made one, when them swear one oath that nobody must eat until he's uh, avenged full of his enemies and all the people were hungry and starving. Anyway, um, um, but like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, said all these things that happened to them, they are examples for us so that we too will not commit the same, of, the same type of error that they committed. So this is a very, uh, very important study uh, 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 personality in all the opportunities that he had even to have a dynastic rule in Israel. But all of that was blown in one uh, uh, um, uh, uh, era of spiritual indiscretion that was presumptuous. That's why David wrote, deliver me from presumptuous sins. You know, it was presumptuous. If Samuel can offer a sacrifice, ah, I'm king now. Why can't I offer a sacrifice? What is in a, offering a sacrifice, really? There's nothing now. You know, I've seen them do it so many times. I can do it myself, but that's not what the issue is. It's not about being able to offer sacrifice. It is about whether you should offer sacrifice because you are neither a Levite, no, no uh, you are not a Levite, yeah, period. Because Aaron is a Levite too. And you are not a descendant of Aaron. So our prayer is that um, God will deliver us too from presumption. And, and, and let nobody stampede you or stampede me into, into doing something because of some threat hanging in the air there. You know, nobody's denying that the threat was real. But God also knew the threat was real. And that's why Samuel didn't show up. Because Samuel cannot show up until God has spoken to him. Mm. It's the same thing you read in, um, in, in, in Exodus. Moses was in the mountain for 40 days, you know, but God didn't tell him what was happening until the people started uh, celebrating their molten calf, you know. He said, yeah, go down. There are people that you brought out of Egypt. They've already messed up, you know. So, so it, it, all these tests and trials, they are there. They are there. And, and you and I need to really uh, be careful so that we don't flung the tests. Amen. 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 Amen.